Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. La, 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 la. Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. This is your host, Ryan Warner. My guest today is the great Jody Stripmatter, head coach and founder of the Young Guns Wrestling Club, one of the top wrestling clubs in these fine United States, home to the likes of Spencer Lee, Jason Nall, Vincenzo Joseph. Must I go on? I'd like to, but I can't. I got to get home for Thanksgiving. Now, let's not forget that Jody was a savage wrestler in his own right, two-time Division II champ for Pitt Johnstown. Then he transferred to Iowa and got third and second. And he was a member of those great Iowa National Championship teams of the late 90s when Jim Zaleski was the coach. Really enjoy the conversation. Hope you do as well. Maybe you're going to listen to it on your ride home to Thanksgiving. Either way, hope you enjoy it. Fan of the week time, and it goes to Sam Herring, host of the Home Mat Advantage podcast. One of the most studly guys in the game right now. He's in middle school and hosts his own podcast. Really impressive kid. Thank you for listening, Sam. Greatly appreciate the support and all the advice. Last but not least, this episode is brought to you by the Wrestling Changed My Life store. It's store.wrestlingchangedmylife.com. We have stickers, t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, whatever you'd like, we got it. And if you see something you don't like, give me a shout. Let me know. And if you want to stay up to date with the podcast, you can follow us on social media. On Instagram, it's Wrestling Changed My Life. I'm actually doing a countdown of the top five wrestlers in Illinois history this week on Instagram. So you can see us there. And that's it, folks. Let's give it up for the great Jody Strip Matter. Peace. All right, we're here with Jody Strip Matter. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now I know you're a big Iowa guy, so I gotta ask: When was the first time you watched Competitor Supreme? Oh man, I was in young junior high, sometime probably seventh, eighth grade, something like that. That was a that's a pivotal moment for me, and I'm sure it was for you too. That, that's just uh, talked to a lot of guys from that era, and they just freaking love that movie. Is that how you know, your fascination with with Iowa wrestling started? Yeah, I, I mean, I always liked Iowa wrestling. Um, obviously, they were winning national title after national title, and um, you know, when uh, my dad, his um, one of his best friends is a, also a farmer. So my dad's a dairy farmer and one of his best friends is a dairy farmer. And he was also my wrestling coach and he gave my dad a copy of that, uh, the VHS. And 
me and my brother watched it over and over and over. And then, like you said, it just uh, just changed our what we thought you know hard work was. And just watching that film was it was pretty cool. No question. And so, I mean, before you you went on to wrestle at, at the collegiate level, I mean, you were just a beginner like the rest of us. So, how did you and your brother get into the sport together? Um, actually, my older brother he just had a ton of energy, so it's not in our family at all. Um, and I know in Pennsylvania, you know, it's so deep and rich, um, the tradition, but it wasn't for us. Um, we grew up on a farm, dairy farm, and, um, there was no wrestling history in our family. And, um, but my brother, older brother, he just had a ton of energy. Um, and just like, uh, you know, kind of, um, mischievous, mm-hmm. um, getting in trouble, like little things, you know? So my, uh, my parents, they were, um, looking to get him into something and, on the farm was um was a worker and he was wrestling and so he was like hey i'll take the kids to to wrestling practice and we started going and just kind of you know fell in love with it and then did you you know love it from day one or did it take a couple years for it to click for you um so we went to a catholic school in our hometown and they didn't have wrestling so um the the neighboring school let us go to their you know their practice so it was only two days a week and it was, you know, through um, elementary and junior high because, like I said, we went there oh, wow. all the way through eighth grade, or I did. So I wasn't on a junior high team or anything like that. I was just going to our local elementary practice basically two days a week. And then, I again, I had an older brother, and we, we acquired a mat in our, in our garage, in our basement. Um, we moved it. So me and my brother worked out a lot, but it was a little bit maybe unconventional how we – um, maybe got into wrestling, you know, on the farm and then, you know, kind of stayed in wrestling, but it wasn't uh, a ton of success. I'd never made it even to the Pennsylvania state tournament, I think until my eighth grade year. And, um, you know, but, but I really did like the sport and I, I loved, you know, kind of the lessons it taught you. And, but then around, you know, junior high age is whenever I started really getting into it, you know, I started working out every day, running, lifting, wrestling with my brother um, you know, it kind of became our passion. So the amount of matches you had going into high school versus the kids you coach now, night and day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think that's even a kid who maybe wrestled on a junior high team would be night and day today. You know, in today's era, it's just there's – I know in Pennsylvania there's probably 20-some tournaments every single weekend, you know, during the season, which is crazy, you know, and every one of them has – Two, three, four hundred kids at them. So it's crazy how many, um, you know, how many kids are wrestling nowadays, and the the amount of matches you can get all year long. Yeah, but it's it's cool that you you started. I guess I don't know if peaking's the right word, but you know you only qualified for state once, and you weren't really put under those those high stress environments until a little bit later. And so you really saw your career flourish later on because you know I was noticing that your sophomore year in high school you qualified for state. But then next year you got third, which to me is a huge jump. Right. What happened during those yeah. that those two years there? Um, yeah, I, I wrestled the state champ my very first match my sophomore year. Um, you know, okay. he beat me really bad. So, um, but then I just dropped down and just didn't wrestle well. So, but I was doing well. I mean, I, I that's whenever I started doing you know having a really really good year. Um, my freshman year actually I wrestled one what was it one hundred three back then, and I probably weighed. 85 pounds <laughs> yeah so and then and then actually at the end of um end of the year my brother came down to 103 so i went 112 when i was probably up to 90 pounds something like that so 
it was pretty funny. I weighed in with with um, quarters in my socks and you know a, a big watch on you know, just to try to <laughs> get up the weight so I could wrestle one twelve at the district tournament. Um, so that was so your was sophomore really, year. Really no, that was my freshman. Okay, year. really okay. undersized my freshman year, and then I had a really good year my sophomore year. I didn't it didn't end good, but I had a really good year. Um, that's like I said, it, it things started to click for me and started to really uh, wrestle well. And crazy, like nowadays, you know, they, they qualify a lot for for the state tournament. Whenever I was young, there was um there was eight areas in Pennsylvania, and they took the champion from every area. So there's eight kids in a bracket, and they placed the top four. <laughs> Um, wow. I would get second like every single year at areas. I would get second. I would get second. So I wouldn't make it. And like I said, my finally my eighth grade year, I, I finally made it and actually got second in the state um, that year in, in junior high. And then, like I said, that's whenever I started to, um, you know, watch the, the got a hold of the Gable Competitor Supreme video and just started, you know, really dedicate my life. And I went to Fargo. Um, I think it was two and two, maybe something like that. My first year as a cadet. And again, just that was kind of that time frame that I really started to, um, you know, see that kind of stuff. Went to the high school, or I went to the, the junior high state tournament and, and started having a little success and went to Fargo and, and seen what it was like. So, um, and then the following year, um, you know, I won cadet nationals as a second year cadet. So, um, you know, things just started to, uh, I was wrestling better and better every year then. Things started clicking, and then you get third in state yeah. your junior year. And I'm just generally curious, what happened? Who who got you at your junior year at state? Yeah, he was a good kid. Um, and we went actually back and forth our whole high school career. And then I think the semifinals, or maybe it was the quarterfinals, or semifinals my senior year, I wrestled the same kid. You know, I think that's important um, in our sport. It's it's very physical, but it's very very mental. Um, you know, and so I had to wrestle the kid who beat me the year before, um, you know, to reach my goals and, and, and I beat him that year. Um, so, but yeah, he, he, we went uh, back and forth kind of our, our whole career in high school and, um, but he was a good kid. What, so going into that match your senior year, I mean, by this point you've put your entire life into the sport, your older brothers, uh, you know, now at UPJ, but you know, you, this is your last chance to do it. So like, where were you at mentally? going into that match and what, what little mental reps or mental tricks did you do back in, back in those days to get yourself ready? Yeah. Uh, I wish I knew exactly. It's been a long <laughs> time ago, <laughs> but I, you know, I, I don't know. I think that just, um, the one thing that I think that solves or helps nerves more than anything else is, is hard work. Just knowing that you did everything right. So I think that was super, super important. Um, you know, and, and it's something that as a coach that I talk to kids all the time about, like, hey, you might beat, you know, you might beat someone or you might get beat today, but what happens next year and the year after and the year after is going to be decided on, you know, how much work you put in. So um, I thought I was doing everything right. You know, I was wrestling all summer long. I was going to Fargo, um, doing all that stuff and, and running, lifting with my brother, um, you know, just all the little things, nutrition, um and just all, all those kind of things that give you a mental edge. And I think that really helps, you know, in your biggest matches. And, you know, I mean, you must see that now. With, I mean, the, the kids you're working with now are just on such an elite level. It's insane. But, um, yeah, I, I just love hearing you talk about, you know, there's no standard for, for someone to join Young Guns. You don't have to be a state champ. You just have to be willing to Absolutely. to work hard and be open to learning. And that seems like was what you did to a T. I mean, you just 
kept at it and you were open to improvement and open to coaching. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's such, it's so cool about wrestling that, hey, some kids, they just get it right away. And other other kids, it takes them a little while. It takes them you know, through their junior high or high school years to, to uh, things to start to click. Or, or even hey, maybe they had it physically, but mentally they just weren't with it yet. Um, you know, so I think that's super important to keep, keep kids out for wrestling, um, that you don't say, oh, if you don't have it at a young age, you'll never have it. You know, I think it's very important to just keep working. And you know, like I said, different kids get it differently. Um, so, you know, we, we've had a lot of kids who are super successful right away. And we have had a, a lot of kids, um, you know, even like a Max Murin, you know, he, he was, I don't think he ever won a medal in, in eighth grade and below, you know, at the state tournament. And then he's a three-time finalist. By the time he's done, he has two state titles and his senior year becomes the outstanding wrestler of the Pennsylvania state tournament. You know, so wow. it's pretty cool. Like everyone's different in, in, in their path to success, you know. Well, and then now, it, it, like the college guys, like if you don't win as a freshman, you it's almost like you, you're written off, you know, which is crazy to me. Um, you know, some of the, the best stories, I was just talking to Zach Esposito, and I didn't realize this, but, you know, Johnny Hendricks didn't win it his first year. You know, I, either he didn't place or if he did, it was you know, a little bit lower in the in the placings. But, like, nowadays, if the kid doesn't win it right away, people are writing him off, which is a shame. Yeah, yeah, I... Yeah, that's crazy. If that if that is true, that's crazy. Um, what well, I don't know if anyone's so like actually people. doing it, but you just seem like the expectations are so much higher now because everyone's you know, these yeah. kids are winning at the cadet worlds, the junior worlds, so they're coming in right away with some yeah. high expectations. Yeah. It's really exciting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and again, I I, I don't want to say one state's harder than the other, you know, or anything like that. But man, Pennsylvania is such a hard state. Um, you know, it's so competitive, and there's two divisions, so. Um, I don't know. I we have a lot of good kids, obviously that didn't win it. You know, as freshmen who continue to wrestle, and uh, Michael Kemmer took the senior year to win it, and Caleb Young won one state title, and they're doing really, really well in college right now. So yeah, um, yeah, I think that, and, um, like you said, it's just getting tougher and tougher, and um, I think that there's a lot of good kids and a lot of depth, you know, in the sport right now. No question, and it seems like there's a lot of programs that are being added. Not necessarily at the well, a couple at the D one level, but NAI. There's a lot of schools that are being added, so I think it's overall in a good place right now. And in the club that you're doing, I mean, just the amount of lives you've changed and touched is is unbelievable. Did you kind of always know, like when you were wrestling at at Pitt at Pitt Johnson, that you would want to coach someday? Um, I didn't. No, I really didn't. Um, you know, I I always tell a story that. I really wanted to get into the medical field somehow, some way, and I wasn't sure what. You know, I broke my arm my freshman year when I was redshirting at UPJ, and I loved that part of it, like the rehab part, and 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 I was a biology major, so I, I wanted to get into it somehow, um, but I just didn't know, you know. And then um, graduated Iowa and, and just wanted to take a little break from school, and you know, um, Eric Jurgens and he got approached about starting a club, and he was. Um, you know, we talked about it for a while and I was his roommate and next thing you know, we both moved to Michigan to start it and <laughs> never looked back. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people don't know it started in Michigan. I, I didn't know that actually until last night when I started researching for this. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, at, yeah, but I, I always like doing camps. I always like working with kids and, and that stuff. I just thought that I would, um, I never thought that I would be able to do this as a job or a profession. I thought that maybe I would 
you know, coach on the side or do something, but, um, you know, I thought I would get into my degree for, for my livelihood. Well, now there's so many of those, <laughs> so many of the, of the academies going on. It's like a, it's a whole industry now, which is something you and yeah, you think about like Ernie Monaco, like those guys, you know, and then Sean Bourmet with overtime. Those are the, the early programs. Um, right. But, you know, back in the, the 90s, that none of that had really happened yet. And so what Absolutely. what made you want to transfer to Iowa? Because you were having a hell of a run at, at UPJ. Your brother was there. You guys had won a title. You yeah. Won. Yep. Oh, I just think it was um, it was a perfect fit. It was just like the perfect storm came together, you know. My brother was graduating. We had a really, really good team. Um, and a lot of the guys were graduating on the team that year. Um, Iowa needed a 25-pounder. You know, again, I loved Iowa from the from the beginning, but again, I was a one-time high school state champ. And back then, you know, that was, um, and or I guess even today, I mean, it's it's tougher, you know, especially they, we didn't have the the social medias and stuff like that. Um, so, and, and then on top of that, again, the crazy thing is they had a four-time high school state champ that they recruited for that weight. You know, Eric Jurgens was the perfect fit for Iowa, and then he moves up, you know, struggling with weight, and he's getting bigger. So they needed one twenty five pounder and they changed the weight classes throughout that those couple years and um it was just kind of a perfect fit. You know, I talked to my, my college coach and he was hundred percent on board. Coach Pacor is like he's an amazing person, um, an amazing coach and we talked and he thought it was the right time and the right move and you know, he said he'd help me go anywhere I wanted to go and um you know, decided actually that I was was the only place I wanted to go. Well, it's crazy to think that Jurgens used to be able to make 125. That is, whew, that was a crazy cut. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was 118 when we started, you know. So, um, but yeah, that's uh, and that would have been his freshman year. And then at Christmas time, they changed the weight to 125 and adding that seven pounds. Um, you know, I was out, out with him a couple uh, a month ago or so. He was getting inducted to the University of Iowa Hall of Fame, and he talked about. Just even that weight change and how much it helped him, you know, that seven pounds that he was, um, it was going to be, you know, impossible to make 118. And then they changed the weight to 125. And then, again, he didn't make that very long. Then he was back up to 133. So, wait, they changed it mid season? Yeah, there was um, three deaths in the, yeah. in the fall. And, yeah, at right at the first time that it was ever for me was uh, at Midlands. Uh, was they added the weight at Christmas time, basically. So, right after Christmas, they added seven pounds of all the weight, and they went no more night before weigh-ins. They went all one-hour weigh-ins or two-hour weigh-ins with tournaments and stuff. And, um, yeah, that, that was uh, kind of the, the change, and they did it right mid-season. Do you think it 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 changed weight cutting? I mean, I I was never around in the '90s, but you can imagine it was pretty vicious. I mean, do you think it's yeah, it's gotten absolutely. less over yeah. the time? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's much, much better. Um, and again, I can't speak for everyone in every situation, but, um, and I was just coming into it. So I just kind of saw it as a red shirt that, you know, how crazy it was that guys would lose 20 pounds weigh in and then they gained the 20 pounds back by the time they wrestled. You know, it was just, just crazy. Man, that, that is insane. Yeah. And you see it now with the yeah. UFC a little bit, but they have, day before weigh-ins, but I guess yeah. you guys did too, though. Yeah, yeah, that's what, it was just like that. I mean, they, they would be, like, helping people onto the scale. They couldn't even physically get on the scale themselves. 
So oh. it was. It was bad. It was. It was scary. Um, and again, I, I just seen just a little bit of it as I was coming into the sport, you know, the college scene, and then they changed it right away. And but you hear stories about it and how crazy it was. Man, and then you get to Iowa, and you're part of one of. I was looking at it last night, just a stacked team, and you know, being from Illinois, I'm a huge fan of you know Joe and TJ Williams, and you know, I saw he was on yeah. the team. You had Doug Schwab. I mean, Mike Zadig. I mean, those were some. That was a great couple of years you were there. I mean. What was it like coming onto that team as a transfer end? Did they welcome you right away? Yeah, it was amazing. Um, I just got along with the guys super, you know, super good. Um, just everything. It, it was it was just a perfect fit, and it worked out great. The coaches, the, the athletes, uh, and the partners were just, I mean, every day you were going with a national champ, Olympian, um, between the coaching staff, the, the Hawkeye Wrestling Club members at the time, and then mm-hmm. you know, the current guys on the team. Um, and, and being a lightweight, it was just, um, you know, you could go, like I said, two weeks in, in a row with going with a different partner and getting a different look and different feel and just going with you know, phenomenal guys. And was there a bit of a change coming in? Because, you know, I know you were a two-time national champ, but it was still D2 coming into the top room of the country. Yeah. Was, there a, was there a transition period or did it go right away for you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely it was. I mean, um, at the same time, you know, Coach Bacora runs an amazing program. Um, you know, and again, me and my brother were, we were fist fighting all the way growing up through and, you know, it, it, it helped us so much, you know, I mean, we were best friends and then we'd start wrestling and we'd start, you know, getting into it and fighting and then best friends five minutes after, uh, but again, I, I, I got third at Midlands my freshman year and, and I won it my sophomore year for UPJ. Yeah. So I, I knew that, I knew that I was, you know, capable of wrestling with them. And so sure. Was it a transition? Yeah. Just again having to show up to practice every single day and getting different looks, you know? So, um, like I said, and and with just that caliber of guys, um, it it made me, you know, even continue to to progress and get better every single day. I mean, that was a lineup. Mentally, I think I was mentally, yeah, mentally, I think I was, I think I was ready. And, um, but yeah, like just the partner wise, it really helped me. I mean, because that was when Terry was training for the Olympics, unless you got there the year before that. No, yep, I got there the summer of, yeah. And um, actually graduated, well, I didn't graduate. I I finished up um, what my sophomore season and um, basically moved out there in in 99 May. You know, so then, so he was out there and he was my assistant coach that whole year. So I was training with him in 99. And then 2000, he took the Nebraska job. And then, um, you know, actually, I would meet him out in Des Moines. I'd drive halfway, and he'd drive halfway from Des Moines to uh, – uh, or from Nebraska to Des Moines, and we'd, we'd work out there um, just because we, again, became extremely close, and I'd do anything I could to help him. You and Terry would do that? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's in Nebraska. He's still training. That's – I didn't know he was I, – I guess that was, you know, almost 20 years ago. I didn't realize he was ever at Nebraska. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Ironic because he used to wrestle Kelber, and that those were some epic rivalries, and he was from Nebraska. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And so, uh, I mean, that team you're on at Iowa, was that the lineup? Was it you, Jurgens, Schwab, and then Zadik, and then TJ Williams? Was that five in a row? Yeah. Yep. That was our first, that was our first five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy because, yeah, that, that was our senior year, and we didn't win it that year. So I was in the finals, Jurgens was in the finals. Uh, Schwab was in the finals. TJ was in the finals, and Zadik got third. You know? Man, but, 
And Minnesota had zero finalists, but they had 10 All-Americans. That was the year they had 10 All-Americans. And that was at Carver, and, and right? Yeah, that was. Yep. Wow. Talk about TJ Williams for a second, man, because that's a name a lot of people might not know now, but he's still the all-time winning percentage holder at Iowa. How good was that dude? He was amazing, yeah. He was he was so fast, so you know, so talented and uh and again, just a he was a great teammate, great person. Um uh, super helpful. Like we said before, like those guys just you know, from my point of view, they welcomed me and you know, became great friends instantly. It was it was a great, great uh relationship we all had. Wow. What a great time and you know, now that you're running young guns, it's you know, the premier club in the country, you've You've coached, I mean, just an unbelievable amount of guys. Vincenzo, Spencer Lee, Max Marin, Cameron. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, you know, what is it like to run young guns? Because are you like coaching them in the winter? I mean, what's a typical season like for you, and how do, how does it work, kind of from like September through uh, through the season? Um, it's basically all year long. So we'll, we we do stuff all year long. Um, now some of the kids, you know, will will come one month, two months, or, or all year. You know, obviously, our dedicated kids, um, the kids that maybe get, once you you decide wrestling is my sport, I want to do that the rest of my life or whatever, or go to college for it, you know, and they dedicate themselves, you know, you'll see a lot of those guys all year long. Um, so everything for young guns is month to month. You know, I know some some clubs or whatever, they do like section uh, sessions where it's like a three-month or four-month or even all year you know, where young guns, it's just month to month. Um, and again, like I said, some of those kids do come all year long and then some kids, you know, only come here and there. Um, but it was pretty much, you know, we're doing something, you know, whether it's camps, um, or nightly club, you know, we, we run the club actually 11 months a year. So September all the way through the end of July, um, till right after Fargo. Then we do a couple camps in August, two, three weeks of camps in August. Then we start right back up in September again. Um, but yeah, a lot of the guys we'll see all year long. You know, they'll go to their even during season. They'll go to their high school practices. You know, they'll go home, get a bite to eat, and get their homework. Do it on the road, and you know, they'll, we'll see them in the evenings um, for a later practice from like seven thirty nine. We'll see them. Um, Man, that is a that's a level of dedication and just a, a a grind throughout the season that those kids must love because. You know, those can be long, long days if you're going in. If you're doing any kind of morning work, it's dark in the morning. You get out of school at night, it's dark. Yeah, that's you know, right. Yeah. It's a long season. That's right, for sure. It is, yeah. And I think that's, you know, obviously you're always working on technique and you're doing all the things, but the mental thing is, is you know, extremely, extremely important. And you know, just being around other kids like that, I think, helps them also. You know, so if they were doing it by themselves, obviously it's not going to be as easy or it's not going to be as fun um, or rewarding, but man, you show up and you got 60 kids in the room that are, we're in the same boat as you. You don't feel sorry for yourself. You know, mm-hmm. Hey, everyone's, everyone, <laughs> no one's eating a huge Thanksgiving dinner. You know, no one's going to be able to <laughs> eat in the morning. So you're getting up before school, you're going to school, you're expected to do the, you know, the best you can do at school. Then you're going to your own practice. You want to be a leader there and you go home and you get a little bite to eat. You're, you're back on the road, um, you know, and some kids have a short drive and some kids have a little longer drive, um, but you you still find a way, um, you know, to get the job done. And I think that's important. Um, and, and again, now that guys have gone through, you know, I think that's important for younger kids to look at, you know, that, hey, Jason Nolf, he was in honors classes. You know, he would get up before school, he'd work out. He'd be the hardest working kid, at, you know, on his team. And, 
and, he, and his goal was to be the valedictorian, you know, and he didn't. He was like, I think he was number two or number three in his class. But he was doing his homework on the on the drive, and um, that there's no excuses. And I think that, you know, a lot of kids, um, you know, or I shouldn't say a lot. Some kids look for excuses. They they look for, hey, I got a test tomorrow, and you know, the best kids find a way to get it done. They can get they can get both done still. I didn't realize Nolf was a part of that part of your club as well. So man, you, I mean, at one point yeah. in time, who was That's on there? Was it Lee, Vincenzo, Nolf? I mean that Max yeah, Mirren yeah. all at the same time. Max Nico, Mirren, Caleb, yeah, Caleb, yeah, Nico, Caleb, Caleb Young, Gavin Teasdale, yeah, that, it is. We had a really, really special group coming through, um, and, and um, you know, credential-wise, maybe the last couple of years they've been down a little bit, but we have a just an amazing young, you know, junior high, young and high school group right now coming coming up through. So it, it's gonna. Uh, going to be uh interesting to see how they all you know end up well what's cool about the young guns guys is that they all seem like really solid people too like you, you like you'd be yeah. lucky if your kids ended up like like spencer lee for example i don't know him at all but it seems like just like a nice kid and you'd be lucky if your right. kid was that was that disciplined and Absolutely. that committed yeah yeah and again i think it goes back to um you know obviously it's something that you know john and i talk about all the time you know our our coaching staff you know we're, we're kids are so lucky to be around um you know john and, and brian capoose the larry home and all these guys that are in the in the room with these guys um you know coach bassett has two amazing young boys and again they talk about how they looked up to spencer lee you know and they looked up to those guys jason Knowles, and, and so the, those guys are still having a, a huge impact on the young kids now today even though they're not there you know just the the level of commitment that max Mirren would get up at 5 30 in the morning every single day before school, you know, and just that kind of legacy that he leaves on to the, to the younger kids that now they want to work hard. And, and I think that whenever you have goals and you're motivated, it's really, really fun. And you hear the word burnout a lot, but you don't, it doesn't happen when you're motivated. It happens when you start to not enjoy what you're doing. You know, and these kids are so motivated. They, they want to be like these older guys um, that have come before them. So it's, um, it's been a really special thing, you know, for the for the guys who have went before, not to do their thing and, and really buy into what the coaching staff is talking about, and then not only these guys listening to the coaching staff, but hey, there's there's real life examples, you know, some kids might be like, coach, there's no way I can get up before school. I can wrestling is my whole life, and then still do well in school. Right, well, you can. You know, there's there's many many examples coming through who have done it. You know, so to see those real life examples, I think it's important for the younger kids. Have you seen a shift in how focused and disciplined, disciplined kids are now, or do you think we're just seeing it more because of like social ampl- amplification? Um, I don't know. I think, I think it goes both ways. I think the, you know, I think that there's a lot of super hard working kids, but at the same time, you know, you hear it a lot that, Hey, kids nowadays are lazy. You know, I, oh, I don't think so. I see, <laughs> I see, yeah, I see the other, I, again, just with young guns and, and the type of kids we get, you know, we see the hardworking kids, you know, but, um, yeah, do I, I, you know, and, and people say kids are getting softer and stuff. I, I don't think so. I think that, you know, they need help. You know, I think that, that they want role models. They want positive people in their lives. And I think that, you know, it's our job to do that, to help, help any way we can at least. 
I couldn't agree with you more. I, I meant to say that I think kids, like, in, like in a workload that an eighth grader has now, I feel like it's just so much more, even when I was an eighth grader 15, 16 years ago. I mean, they're, they have so much more on their plate. There's, you know, just a whole other element to, uh, to it, I mean, in terms of the volume and the quality of kids. So I feel like kids are doing, the kids that, you know, you're seeing and the kids that I'm following are, they're doing more yeah, now as it, at an eighth grade level than they ever were before. Not even close. Right, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, I think just the the last you know, two questions as we kind of wind down here is one, you know, now that you're a coach and I mean you've been a coach for for you know fifteen twenty years, and you've already had, you know, a lot of people say your club's the best in the country. What are your goals and like how do you keep progressing as a coach, kind of at this point in your life? Yeah, I think it's really really easy. Um, I, it, I just, whenever I go into practice, I just, I, I want to care so much about the kids. I want to care so much about how they're getting better. So it's not, um, and it's not to say, Hey, I don't compare maybe years, you know, Hey, this year we had two super 30 champs five years ago. We had three, but sure. You know, you want to compare, Oh, that was one of the best years we ever had that kind of thing. But I don't go into it saying, Oh, we want to have four Fargo champs this year. That's, that's our goal. Like I don't, it's, it's really, really, really simple. It's just, Hey, who's going to show up tonight at practice? And I don't know who will or who's sick or who has a, um, you know, a midterm whatever tomorrow that they won't be able to make. But whoever's there, just to care more than anything else in the world about the kids, about getting better. You know that obviously that to um, you know, provide the best training atmosphere. You know, for an hour and a half practice. You know that that the kid could ever imagine. You know, so um, and I think that if you do that every single day. And you see a lot of progress. You know, you care about the kids. You care about, you know, them on the mat. You care about them off the mat. Um, and I think that's super, super important. So I think it's really simple. It's just you know, every day showing up with a passion to, to help the kids. That's, that's really it. Well, that's the great thing about it. It's like if if somehow you stop getting the talent that you're getting and you just are coaching like a middle school team somewhere – you would still be enjoying it because you're still just helping kids and, and getting close to them and helping yeah, them succeed. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what really level it's at, even right. though you have you yeah. have coached some of the best kids we've seen in the past five, ten years. Um, yeah. And then the last thing I was going to say. Yeah. I was just going to say, with club, it's just a little bit. I mean, it's just it's different. Like, whoever shows up, like I said, is, you know, if I was the high school coach or a college coach and someone didn't show up to practice today, you know, you're going to hunt them down and see what the heck's going on where – you know, with the club, it's just different. You know, there's a lot going on in their lives, and and if they miss practice, hey, maybe they had a match that night, or you know. So it's just, it's really, really simple. Is whoever is there, you know, you're just doing everything, everything in the world to help them. Right, right, exactly. Man, that's so cool to just to think back and look at all the kids you've coached and have helped over the years. And you know, one of the things we always wind the podcast down with is, you know, if you look back over your career and someone asked you why would why would you let your kid wrestle or, or how has wrestling changed your life? It's always interesting to hear people's takes on it. You know, what would, what would you say if someone goes, Hey, my kid's thinking about wrestling. I know you are a wrestler, Jody. Why would you, uh, why would you suggest the kid wrestle? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. My son is four, actually my son's four, my daughter's six. And, um, so in November we start our novice program and my son and daughter, they're going to wrestle for the first time on Monday. So this will, they're only they're a couple of days away from it, but just the value, that's just the lessons um, that it teaches you are, are just incredible. And hey, some of them are super super 
um, just awesome, you know, that hard work and you start to see, you start working hard and hard and harder and then you start getting your hand raised more and then hey, you see that hard work in life is paying off and then at the other time, at the other side, sometimes life's not fair. Sometimes it's, hey, you did everything right and someone else didn't, you know, and you've been dedicating your whole life and they didn't and hey, it just wasn't meant to be that day. Sometimes life's not fair and, you know, you see that in wrestling a lot. Maybe the kid that you think or you um, that should win doesn't, you know, and hey, it doesn't mean you quit in life, you know, you have to um, keep true to your values and the character of who you are and you know, just keep plugging away. So I just, again, the life lessons it teaches you are incredible um, with dedication and discipline. And we talk about making weight and different things like that. I think it really um, teaches you, you know, sacrifice and, and all those character traits that are, you know, instilling you then from a young age um, all the way up through. And it's, it's who you become. It's the, it's the father you become. It's the husband you become. And, um, that you're extremely loyal to, um, what you believe in in life. And I think that it goes, you know, it, it goes with you until the day you die. Well, don't you think the great thing about it is it teaches you, even if you do think you've done everything right, diet, your workouts, your mind, and you, and sometimes it still doesn't work out for you. That's the, probably the most valuable thing, because if you realize that for the first time in your mid twenties or in your late thirties, that can be detrimental. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it teaches you at a young age, you know. Um, kind of, and again, it's not life. It's not um, a loss. You can't compare a loss to, um, you know, getting a sickness or a cancer or something like that. But it starts to teach you at a young age, um, you know, just kind of real life character. And all great things must come to an end. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Give us a review, give us a rating, and share this with your friends. It would mean the world to us. Thanks for listening to Wrestling Changed My Life.